9. Mark chapter 9. We're going to look at verses 2 through 13. We, we took a little bit of a detour the last two weeks as we were coming out of Mark chapter 8, 34 through 38, where Jesus said some words uh, such as, um, if anybody's going to come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. Uh, what, what profit does a man gain if he, uh, if he gains a whole world and let, and yet loses his soul? What will a man give in exchange for his soul? And, and so we, we took a little detour over to Ecclesiastes to see how, uh, Solomon kind of fleshed that out for us in chapter one and two, where he showed us what life looks like without God. When you live life without perspective of God, uh, that life under the sun. And then, uh, last week we took a look at Ecclesiastes 3 where uh, Solomon says that just because uh, uh, life without God doesn't make sense because it's meaningless, that life with God can have meaning but at times it can be very difficult to understand. You can still struggle with how a sovereign God works uh, in this world. And so Solomon helped us to gain a foothold and gain some solid ground or, or to put some ballast in our boat to where we could withstand the storms that we are going through or the storms that we will go through. Or for some of us, as I've talked to some people this past week after that sermon, for some of us, the Lord is helping us to make sense of past storms. <laughs> some of us are actually realizing that it's okay to have pieces of the puzzle that don't make sense right now that you can, by faith, set those pieces of the puzzle aside, knowing and trusting in a wise God who has a plan, who is at times mysterious, that He will one day help us to understand how that piece of the puzzle fits into the, into the, to the grand plan that He has for our life. But I hope, if, if nothing else, that last week you left realizing that you cannot let the things that you don't understand about God affect all the things that you do understand about God. Or let all the things that are going on in life affect your enjoyment of life. Why? Because Solomon says that uh, there's nothing better for man to do than to eat, drink, and be merry. Why? This is the task that God has given to man. And the only way that we can really live that out in our lives is that we live knowing that God is wise, that God is mysterious, but that in the end, God is sovereign and He works all things together for the good of those who love Him and are called according to His purpose. And so we jump back into Mark chapter 9. So I've entitled this morning's sermon, I, I'll just be honest with you, several weeks ago when I thought I would preach this text, um, I, I just had no clue how to work this text out for a sermon. It, it was... It was really befuddling to me. And I went back and looked to see, have I preached this before? And, and in 30 years, have never preached this particular event in the life of Jesus, though it's told in Matthew, uh, Mark, and Luke's gospel. Um, and, and I kind of see why now. It's tough. <laughs> it's really tough. It's a tough text. And so uh, this week, uh, the, the, the sermon began to come together. And I'm still kind of looking for a, you know, a title. You know, what's the kind of what's the big idea here? What's 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 going on? And basically what we have going on is we have the continuation of Jesus hard words 
there at the end of Mark chapter 8, coming into Mark chapter 9. And so I've entitled this sermon, A High Mountain for a Hard Word. A High Mountain for a Hard Word. And I think you'll see how that works out in just a moment. Now, don't look at your Bibles right now. I know that sounds weird, right? A preacher saying, don't look at your Bibles. Keep, keep your Bibles open or your devices to Mark chapter 9 because I'm throwing you a curveball. There's a great book that uh, a theologian has uh, put together several years ago. And basically what he did is he took all four Gospels and he merged them together to where you could read it from day one of Jesus' life to the ascension of Jesus. Okay, because you know how sometimes, and what we're about to do, we're taking, uh, let's see here, it's Mark 9, uh, 2 through 13, Matthew 17, 1 through 13, and Luke 9, 28 through 36. That is where this story is told three different times in the Bible. And as I've tried to teach you in the past, each Bible writer has their own perspective of this event. It's not that because one gives a detail and the other doesn't, that they're in contradiction, is that they just see different aspects of the story. And so what this, the, this theologian has done is he's merged all that together to where we could read all three accounts of this particular story as one account. And he puts all those details, merges it all together. So that's why I said you can't look at your Bible right now because I'm going to read from his, I'm going to read his compilation of these three passages. It says, And after six days, Jesus took with him Peter, James, and John. Now that's key, okay? So Jesus has made this big, uh, said these hard words. If you're going to follow me, you must uh, deny yourself, pick up your cross and follow me. Uh, if you, if you try to gain the whole world, you'll lose your own soul. What profit, uh, is it for a man? Uh, if he does this. So six days later, he takes Peter, James, and John uh, and led them into a high mountain apart by themselves to pray. So Jesus is taking these three up on a mountain to pray. And he was transfigured before them. Now let's stop right there for a second. The word transfigured, which is in all three uh, accounts, is a word that we learned back in our journey through Romans chapter 12. And if you remember in Romans chapter 12, uh, verse 2, uh, Paul says that we are to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. And that word transformed there is the word metamorpho, where we get our word metamorphosis. It's a scientific uh, terminology where a uh, caterpillar goes through a process of transformation into becoming a butterfly. And so the, the word here for transfigured is that same word, metamorpho, okay? So just hold that, hold that thought for a second. And as he prayed, the fashion of his countenance was altered, and his face did shine as the sun. As his raiment became shining, exceeding white as snow, and glistening as the light, so as no fuller on earth uh, can white them. I love how the ESV actually puts this. The ESV says that uh, whiter than any bleach could do. And behold, there appeared unto them two men, which were Moses and Elijah, or Elijah, who appeared in glory, and they were 
talking with Jesus and spoke of his decease, which should which he should accomplish at Jerusalem. Now that's a weird. This guy uses a weird word here. Uh, deceased is his translation. Really, none of the none of the translations actually um, give us the exact word because even if it did, it still wouldn't make any sense. Literally, the word here we can read it this way: and spoke of his exodus. That's the Greek word that is used there. His exodon, which is where we get our word exodus. What is he talking about? He's, he's talking about his leaving, his departure from earth. Interesting that Moses is there talking about an exodus, right? Don't, don't miss the irony there that Jesus and Moses are talking about an exodus. But Peter and they that were with him were heavy with sleep. I'm just going to let that soak for a minute. And when they were awake, they saw his glory. And the two men that stood with him. And it came to pass, as they departed from him, Peter said to Jesus, Master, it is good for us to be here. And if you will, let us make three tabernacles, one for you, and one for Moses, and one for Elijah. Not knowing what he said, for he knew not what to say, for they were sore afraid. Isn't that just like Peter? He doesn't know what to say, but somehow he figures out something to say. While yet, while he yet thus spoke, behold, there came a bright cloud and overshadowed them, and they feared as they entered into the cloud. And behold, there came a voice out of the cloud saying, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. And when the voice was passed, and when the disciples heard it, they fell on their face and were sore afraid. And Jesus came and touched them and said, Arise, and do not be afraid. And suddenly, when they had lifted up their eyes and looked around, looked round about, they saw no man anymore save Jesus only with themselves. And as they came down from the mountain, Jesus charged them that they should tell no man what things they had seen, the vision till the Son of Man were risen again from the dead. And they kept that saying with themselves and told no man in those days any of those things which they had seen, questioning one another what the rising from the dead should mean. And his disciples asked him, saying, Why then say the scribes that Elijah must first come? And Jesus answered and said, Unto them, Elias, or Elijah, verily comes first and restores all things. And how is it written of the Son of Man that he must suffer many things and be said at naught? But I say unto you that Elijah is indeed come already, and they knew him not, but have done unto him whatsoever they wanted, as it was written of him. Likewise shall also the Son of Man suffer of them. Then the disciples understood that he spoke unto them of John the Baptist. All right, so there it is. There's this story compiled from three different accounts into one. Now, 
when you read the story or you read any Bible story, you, you always got to ask yourself this question. Why is this story in the Bible? And some stories, it's much more apparent why that story is in the Bible than other stories. And this story to me is one of those stories that I'm not really sure at the outset why this story is even in the Bible. Why, why does Jesus have to transfigure before these men? And as always, if we're going to really understand what's going on in a text of Scripture, we must look around it to see what's happening in the text, in particularly before it. And so when we go back, do, do you remember what we've preached about in the past? That first, there was this great debate over who Jesus is, right? And Jesus asked the question, who, who do people say that I am? Back up in chapter 8. And they said, well, some say that you're... Uh, Elijah, interesting, right? Elijah shows up on the mountain. Some say you're Elijah. Some say you might be Jeremiah. Some say that you are the reincarnation of John the Baptist. Jesus said, well, who do you say that I am? And Peter spoke up for the rest, and he said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus said, Flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And then he tells Peter, and Peter, because of your confession, I'm going to build the church upon you. You're, you're going to be the, the man that, 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 that I build this movement of Christianity upon. And then Peter, just a few verses later, Jesus goes on to talk about his death, and Peter says, No, Lord, you're, I'm not going to let you die. And Jesus says, Get behind me, Satan. Quit t Peter, quit talking like the devil. And then Jesus follows that conversation with a conversation concerning uh, 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 what it means to follow Him. If you're really going to follow me, you must deny yourself, take up your cross daily and follow me. And so Jesus is saying some really hard words because remember what I told you? When Jesus said you've got to take up your cross, Jesus is saying you've got to take up an instrument of death. Right? It would, it would be like us carrying around an electric chair on our back. Some of us wear crosses around our necks. Uh, uh, that would be the same in, in our day of putting a, uh, uh, a, uh, an electric chair on our, on our necklace. That's what Jesus is talking about. This is an instrument of death. Th these are hard words that Jesus is, is, is saying to them. He is, he is telling them that Following Him is not going to make life any easier. If anything, they're going to find themselves living a life that is much more difficult because they, really, because they are living for Him. And so Jesus just, this is what I love about Jesus. He just doesn't say hard words and just kind of leaves the disciples to themselves. Jesus, six days later, gathers these guys together together, and he takes three of them and he goes up on the mountain. And, you know, we can ask the question, why does Jesus only take these three? Why does Jesus only take Peter, James, and John? Well, there, I mean, there could be a lot of reasons for that. Maybe the other nine um, couldn't keep their mouth shut about what they were going to see up on the mountain. Because remember what Jesus told them when they were coming down? Hey, you can't say anything about this. So maybe those other nine don't go up because they can't, you know, keep their mouth quiet. I'm not sure about that. That's just pure speculation. But here's what I do think I've got pretty solid ground to stand on. And that is that 
um, Jesus takes them up on the mountain because he is often withdrawing with these three guys. Peter, James, and John have this unique, special relationship with Jesus that nobody else has. Peter gets called the rock. He's the one that Christ is going to build the church on. It says about John that John was the disciple that Jesus loved. That's kind of bold, isn't it? Um, James was the brother of Jesus. I mean, was the brother of John. So these three had made their way into this inner circle with Jesus. Did Jesus love the twelve Equally, yes, he did. But did he have this unique, special relationship with these three? Absolutely, he did. Why? Because something else you need to know about these three guys is that following Jesus was going to be maybe more difficult for them than it was going to be for the other nine. Do you remember what we said uh, back up in Mark chapter 8? where um, uh, Jesus feeds the 4,000, and then they get in the boat, right? And, the, and there's 13 of them, and they only got one loaf of bread, and they're freaking out. How in the world are we going to eat on one loaf of bread? Right? When he took seven loaves and fed 4,000 people, and they're worried about how one loaf's going to feed 13 people. And then Jesus tells a story about a blind man who has to be touched not once, but twice by Jesus. And remember... <laughs> Our conclusion to that story was, it wasn't that Jesus couldn't heal him on the first time, that Jesus was trying to teach slow disciples a lesson, and that is that we are all slow disciples, and that to see Jesus more clearly is going to require Jesus touching us more often. Y'all remember that? Alright, so what do we have here? We have these three guys who are going to go up on the mountain and they're going, to get some, they're going to get a unique, special touch from Jesus. And I said that these three guys, they end up, you know, they, they have this unique relationship with Jesus which leads to really a unique life. Peter ends up, yes, he's the one that the church is built on. Yes, he's the one that preaches the first gospel sermon to the Gentiles. Yes, he's the first one that preaches the gospel uh, to the Jews. God uses him in a tremendous way. And then, according to history, we know that Peter is crucified what? Upside down on a cross. James, the other, char- the other character, James, we read in Acts chapter 12, is martyred or murdered because of his stance for Jesus. In fact, he is the first Christian that is ever killed after the resurrection. And then John, so you got the first martyr, you got the guy who preaches the first sermon, and then John is the only disciple who does not die at the hands of his enemies. John is an old man who is put on an an island called Patmos where he writes the book of Revelation and where he dies in his old age. What's funny is, they tried to kill. They tried to kill John, a couple of times. They threw him off a high place, and he lived. They threw him in a pot of boiling tar, and he lived. They couldn't kill this guy. Why? Because you can't die before God wants you to die. Now, why are y'all y'all worried about dying? 
And he ended up dying of old age. I think all three of these men needed this special encounter with Jesus because they each had a unique mission to serve. But, but I think one of the other reasons why these three got to go up is because they were the undisputed leaders of the other nine. Now, these other nine men, God used greatly, and they became uh, uh, preachers in other places throughout the world, and God used them greatly. But, but Peter, James, and John were no doubt the leaders. Jesus says hard words, but then takes them up onto a high place because Jesus never, le- never gives us hard words without help. Would you agree with that this morning? That Jesus never gives hard words without help. Why? Because Jesus knows our weaknesses. He knows that we will try to obey His command on our own. He knows we will attempt to live the life of faith in the flesh. Jesus' hard words are not meant to make us work harder. This is not a pep talk. Jesus' aim is to bring us to the end of ourselves. He wants us to feel our weaknesses, our fragility. He wants us to cry uncle and tap out. He is not saying go for it. He is saying come to me. He is not saying you can do it. He is saying yoke yourself to me. Jesus knows what these men need. They need multiplied touches from him. These are the same guys that got, as I said earlier, that got into a boat with one loaf and was trying to figure out how Jesus, how they were going to eat off one loaf of bread. They need help. They needed multiple touches of Jesus. And so Jesus doesn't leave them to these hard words without giving them help. So let me give you Three little points this morning to take away from this story. Are you ready? This is going to go quick. The Son of God shows them His glory so that they can live for His glory. Why does Jesus take these guys up there? Because He knows that in order to live out these hard words, they need help. And he's going to help them out because he's going to show them something. What is he going to show them? He's going to show them his glory. Now, you remember that word transfigured that I brought up? I said that that word is the word metamorpho, where we get our word metamorphosis. Listen, that doesn't mean that Jesus changed uh, uh, who he was. What metamorphosis means is what's inside actually comes out. That's what it means. What's actually inside shows itself on the outside. Jesus didn't become the Son of God. He was always the Son of God. And on the mountain, Jesus kind of pulled back the curtain a little bit and said, Look, guys, 
This is who I really am. He, he, he let His glory break through His humanity so that they could see His glory. Why? Because there's nothing that helps the people of God live for the glory of God than seeing the glory of God. He's showing them who He really is. He wants to solidify their answer to His previous question. Who do men say that I am? Hey, but, but think about this with me for a moment. Even this mountaintop experience is not going to be... Is, well, let me, let me put it this way. This mountaintop experience is not going to show its reality and its help until many days later. As a matter of fact, in between this moment and the moment where we see this moment taking effect, Peter has another giant failure. And guess what? The others do too. Peter denies Christ three times, right? The others scatter and leave Jesus all to himself. But here's what Jesus is doing. Jesus is taking us through life, and He is taking these disciples through life. And Jesus knows that even this, this transformative event on this mountaintop is not necessarily going to bear fruit in the next few days, but here's what He knows. It's going to bear fruit eventually. It's eventually going to bear fruit. There, there's going to be an effect coming from this event. And here's what I want to say to you this morning. There are times where God takes us, quote-unquote, up on the mountain, right? Spiritually speaking. And you have some kind of great and wonderful spiritual experience, right? And how many of you know this is true? It doesn't take less than 24 hours after that experience or event is over with. And you've already <laughs> gone back on your word. You've already fallen back into an old sin. And sometimes we can think, you know what? What good is that mountaintop experience when here I am, 24 hours, still the same old me that I was when I was up on the mountain. Listen, those mountaintop experiences don't always show themselves to be fruitful immediately. But listen, they will show themselves fruitful eventually. Second truth. The Father's confirmation of the Son gave them confidence to pick up their cross. The Father's confirmation of the Son. And really, look, when you read this in the original language, and, and, and I'm not saying 
I know how to read the original language. I know how to read guys that do. And all the guys that know how to read this in the original language say the way it's written in Greek, all the emphasis in the story is not on Jesus transforming or not even Moses and Elijah showing up, but the emphasis and the point of the story is the cloud and the voice. And this cloud sets in. And this voice comes out of, out of the cloud. And it says, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. What does He say? Listen to Him. The Father's voice confirms Jesus' identity and commands their listening. They needed to hear a voice from God. Why? Because they were the one writing down the verses. Listen to me. Everybody just... If you don't get anything, I need you to get this. You don't need to hear God's voice audibly. We read this in the Bible and it's like, man, if God will just speak to me from a cloud. That would change things. You see that book some of y'all got laying in your laps right now? You know what that is? That's a cloud. (laughs) That's a cloud of witnesses. 66 books, 40 different authors, writing over 1,500 years. Every one of their words, according to 2 Timothy, was breathed out by God. So what, what do you have... What are those black letters on white paper? What is that? That is the voice of God. God has to speak to them from a cloud because they are the one writing the verses down. We have a voice speaking to us from the verses. And what did God say from the cloud? What was the important? Not just, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased, but what was, where's, where's the emphasis? Because this is my son, and because he, I am well pleased with him, what should you do? Listen. Absolutely. Listen. Why? Because Jesus said these words in Matthew 7, 24. Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them, will be like a wise man who built his house on a rock. You see, Jesus says that I am the ultimate expression of truth. I am the only voice you need to listen to. That's what, that's what God the Father is saying to the disciples about Jesus. Listen to Him. Why? Because Jesus is the way, the truth. He's not a truth. He's not some truth. He's the only truth. He's He's the one and only truth. And that's the reason why we need to listen to Him. Now, I love this. Jesus said to the people who believed in Him, You are truly my disciples if you remain faithful to my teachings. What what is God the Father, what is He trying to say to these disciples? Listen, you have a hard road ahead of you. you. You've got a cross that you're going to have to pick up daily and follow me. Some of you are going to die very vicious deaths. Some of you are going to be pulled apart. And some of you are going to have your head chopped off. And some of you are going to be decapitated. And some of you are going to be burned. And 
all kinds of manners of, of just horrible deaths. And you're gonna, that's going to happen to you for my name's sake. And some of you are going to live in poverty and you're going to lose your jobs. Why? Because you stood for the truth. Because you, you stood for what I stood for. Because you, you, you walked in the truth that I have told you. Jesus says, look, when you walk with me, don't get me wrong. There will be tough times and tough days. Why? Because carrying a cross is not pleasant. But here's what Jesus is also saying. You, you, can't, you can't have a crown in the end without a cross before it. And Jesus said, if you, if you want the crown, you got to carry the cross. You don't carry the cross to get the crown. You carry the cross because you've already got the crown. You just got to get to the crown. And you get to the crown by carrying the cross. Do you know in Jewish times that, that, do you know how someone would know if you were a follower of a certain person? You dressed like them, you acted like them, you taught like them, you, you obeyed their teachings. And what Jesus is saying here, he's like, look, I'm the truth, here's the truth, follow the truth, and if you do this, if you look like me, if you walk like me, if you talk like me, then be it known that you'll be treated like me. But what did God the Father say about God the Son? This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. Hey, listen to me, church, in closing. You want to be pleasing to the Father? You want, you want God the Father to look at you one day as, as a son or a daughter of God and for Him to say, this is my beloved child in whom I am well pleased? enter into your rest, you, you want that to be said of you? Then listen to His voice. Obey His voice. Walk in the way that He walked. It might cost you everything here in this life. You may, you may walk down some roads that could be avoided if you simply didn't pick up your cross. But listen, if you avoid the roads that the cross must be carried down, you will avoid the crown that's at the end of that road. And Jesus is up on a high mountain saying, guys, these are hard words. But with me, this is not impossible. It's possible. And not only is it possible but it is the life that I'm calling you to. And then lastly, I wish I could walk through all this, but can, you might just want to write this down and, 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 and read this later. 2 Peter 1, 1 through 21. And I'd go through every bit of this if I could, but I'm not going to keep you here that long. How do I know that these words of Jesus gave them the confidence to pick up their cross and follow Jesus is because in, in 2 Peter chapter 1, especially once you get down to verse 16, Peter recounts this event up on the mountain. And guess what he says? He says, because of this event, let's just see if I can find it real quick. I, I, I just need you to see this. 
Okay, so this is verse 16. For we did not follow cleverly devised myths when we made known to you the power and the coming of our Lord Jesus. But look what he says. We are eyewitnesses of his majesty. Watch, watch. For when, we received, for when he received honor and glory from God the Father and the voice was born to him by the majestic glory, this is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. We ourselves, what did he say? We heard this very voice born from heaven for we were with him on the holy mountain and we have the prophetic word more fully confirmed. Wow. You know what they're saying? You know what Peter's saying? Peter's saying, you know what? You know why I've lived my life the way I've lived it? You know why I've picked up my cross every day and carried it? Because there was a voice that came out of heaven and confirmed everything that had ever been written prior, and it confirms everything that has been written since. And that's why we have confidence to pick up our cross and follow Jesus daily. It was on that mountain. It was in seeing His glory and hearing His Father's voice that we have the confidence to pick up our cross. And here's my last one. So It's, it's wordy. I wish I could have worded it less, but I couldn't. I didn't. So there it is. Jesus commanded provincial silence. So what is He saying? Don't say anything right now. Shh. Shh. You three. Keep it on the down low. Don't tell anybody. Man, could you imagine? I mean, like, can you imagine seeing what they saw? And then Jesus is like, shh. I feel like Joe Biden when I did that. What? You know, <laughs> he talks real low these days. But he, don't tell a soul. Not even the other nine guys. Don't, don't say anything to them. And they didn't. Notice what Jesus said. He didn't say, don't ever tell him about it. He says, just temporarily, don't tell him about it. About what? The resurrection. Why? Because after the resurrection, there's a commission of perpetual, never-ending Keep talking about the resurrection. And listen, God has taken us. Listen, if you are if you are a saved person this morning, you done been up on the mountain. Well, nobody wants to say amen to that. I'll tell you, when I was ten, I went up on the mountain. And got saved. But Peter wanted to stay up on the mountain. He said, it's good for us to be here. Do you know what a tabernacle is? That's a place to live. (laughs) Peter says, let's build three houses and just stay up here with Jesus, Elijah, and Moses for the rest of our lives. He didn't know what he was saying, right? Isn't that what the Bible says? He didn't know what he was saying. Why? Because you can't stay up on the mountain. Listen, church, you can't stay up on the mountain. He takes you up on the mountain, 
You get to see who He is. You get to learn who He is. Because He's going to take you back down into the valley. Because you've got a cross you've got to pick up. Why? Because you've got to carry that cross. Because there are people in this world that need to know that the resurrection isn't some story that we tell little children in the spring. The resurrection is a real story about a real Messiah who died for real sinners who are in need of a real salvation. And we get to, now we come down and we're not silent about it. You can't shut us up about it. Why? Because all we can do is talk about what we have seen on the mountain. Let me, let me finish with this. I, listen, I know Peter never shut up about it. Because number one, he wrote about it in his book. I guarantee you there's no telling how many times he said, let me tell you about that time we went up on the mountain and the cloud showed up and the voice out of heaven spoke. And all this, all this, you know, Moses, you remember when Moses goes up on the mountain and the cloud comes and God speaks and the Ten Commandments are given. Peter's like, let me tell you about my Moses experience. You see, because of what Peter got up on the mountain, he couldn't shut up in the valley. Now, he didn't come down off that mountain and start talking about it right off the bat. One, because the Lord told him not to. But as soon as the resurrection happened, Peter... Never quit talking about it, and it cost him his life. I doubt one of us in this room will ever die because of Jesus. But I got something I need to say to you, and I think you need to commit it to prayer this morning. I think in this invitation, David, come on. I think in this invitation, this... This needs to be the matter of... I, I'm talking about... This, is, this ain't no walk out this door and think about it. This is like right here, right now. You better... If you claim to be a Christian, if you're going to pick up your cross and follow Christ, you, you better make this a matter of prayer right now. We now have entered into a phase of... of American culture where Christianity is on the outside. It, it ain't cute to be a Christian no more. And listen, and if you really talk like Jesus talks, you're going to get canceled. I'm just telling you, it's the way it is. And listen... In the days ahead, if you and I walk through this life not looking to pick a fight, not looking to be a jerk, I'm not talking, I'm not talking about being a jerk, I'm not talking about picking fights, what I'm talking about is living out your faith. If you walk through it and you say, I'm living out my faith, and it, and, and, and it is without any friction from the world, you're not carrying your cross. You're just not carrying your cross. You say, it ain't going to happen here. 
Well, there's a pastor in Canada who's still in jail this morning because he's picked up his cross. And, 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 and all he did was just try to be a preacher. All he just tried to do is preach to his church. It's not even what he's preaching. It's just the fact that he's trying to preach to his church. And he's in jail. And if you don't think that's not coming south, it's not, because it's already here. In the days ahead, we're going to find out who's really been up on the mountain and who hadn't. It's going to cost you something to be a to be a genuine, open follower of Christ. And let me just say this. There is no such thing as undercover Christians. Nothing. Might cost you your job. Might cost you some friendships. Might cost you a contract. Might cost you some business. But it costs to follow Christ. There's no, cro there's no crown without a cross. Let's pray. Father, in these next few moments, you paid it all, and all to you we owe. You, 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 you gave up everything so that we could have everything. You who never sinned got treated like a criminal. You who never did no wrong was treated like you were wrong, like, like you had done wrong. And yet, here we are, your people, and Father, we are, we are guilty of this. We, as, our, as our culture heats up and it becomes more anti-God and more anti-Christ, we are becoming less Christ-like, less bold. We should, Father, help us not to be arrogant or pompous or people that go looking for a fight, but help us to be wise as serpents and harmless as doves, but be bold as lions for you, to stand for what is true, no matter what it might cost. And for some of us, it may cost us dearly. But what if a man gains if he gains the whole world and loses his soul? Father, you've taken us if we are yours, onto the mountain so that we can be ready to carry our cross in the valley. Help us to do that. Not for our sake, but for the sake of your name and the good of our own souls. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Let's stand. Let's sing one more song together this morning.